after a gap of 100 days, the top flight returns. Yes, yes, yes. Can we have the next slide? How we can help them best, um, that's what's important. Looking at his watch and saying it's not gone over it's the line. It's not gone over the goal line. No, no. Hello, I'm Jim. It's been another week in football and this is on the left side. And this is a very symbolic moment because on the whistle from Michael Oliver, everybody has taken the knee. We made it. Together we came through a footballless desert and now we've reached the moist oasis that is the return of the Premier League. In fact, by the time you hear this podcast, you could well have already got all overexcited about your team's first game, had a few too many midweek beers, seen them concede a sloppy early goal and already be praying for a second spike so the season can be cancelled and decided on points per game anyway. But right now, from where I am, it's glorious. And you would have thought that the return of actual football would probably be top of the footballing agenda this week. But that's not the case, because that dubious honour goes to Marcus Rashford, or should I say, future England captain, knight of the realm, and nailed on Saint Marcus Rashford. It's pretty rare nowadays that the footballing world comes together under one message, but that has genuinely felt like it's happened this week, with even Manchester City fans like City Square host and Manchester City pundit Natalie Pav tweeting her appreciation for a player who pulls on the shirt for her team's biggest rivals. When she tweeted this week... 2020 really making me like and respect a United player. And that kind of cross-team respect is either a sign that Rashford is on the right track with his comments or it's just a sign of how unpredictable 2020 has been and that we could be heading, potentially, for the apocalypse. In fact, thinking of some of the things that have completely happened this week despite being unbelievable, like, for example, Jack Walsher actually being fit to play... Don't rule the latter one out yet. In case you've missed what the young Manchester United forward has done this week, let me fill you in. Well, in the months since MPs had the gall to insist that footballers had a duty to do more and take pay cuts in the wake of coronavirus, Rashford has been responsible for raising over £20 million for charities who are helping to end poverty hunger in the UK. And this week... As a little cherry on the cake, he wrote a letter to MPs urging them to backtrack on plans to end free school meals for underprivileged children in the UK over the summer months. Fair bloody play. But I do have to say, it's not really helping my usual narrative of presenting footballers as self-obsessed greedy knobheads, is it? Which is a shame, because that is much easier to take the piss out of. Here's the thing with Rashford's letter that got me. He's writing this, not from his millionaire's ivory tower surrounded by all the gold he can eat in a swimming pool full of grey goose. Well, he probably is now, but it wasn't always like that for Rashford. Here is a man who has experienced the importance of the welfare state for himself when he himself was growing up in Manchester, and he credits that support and the help he and his family received for being where he is now. He knows how important this stuff is, and he told that to the BBC. My mum was a, a single parent. She's got five kids that was all living in the same house. So she's working She's working very hard to, to put food on the table. And then it's the stress on her on the shoulders that, that affected her after we've ate our dinner. Because um, she knows she's, she's worrying about the situation. She's trying to go to sleep, but she can't because she's so worried. And then the next day, eight o'clock, she gets up 
uh, gets on the bus and starts the day again. And this was every single day. She was literally working, trying to sleep, working, trying to sleep. And that was sort of her routine. That interview, if you get the chance to check it out in full, is great, by the way. It's honest, it's passionate, it's eloquent. It's an interview that was watched by Dan Hodges of The Mail on Sunday, who subsequently decided that the best response, in his own words, was this. This is great, but are you really trying to tell us they're sitting six foot apart? (sighs) Not now, Dan. That response is the worst reading of a room since the Queen bought Prince Philip a copy of Suits on DVD for his birthday. Can you tell the <laughs> anyway, it might not have even really mattered if they were that far apart because those particular rules don't really seem to apply to the Premier League anymore. This week gone by, Norwich City played a match fitness getting friendly against Tottenham Hotspurs. After the game, one of the Norwich City players involved tested positive for coronavirus, which you would have guessed would have caused the Premier League and its resumption some pretty major issues. You don't have to be a fully trained track and trace professional to work out that probably amongst those that would have been in the recently been in contact with and should probably self-isolate list are the other 21 players on the pitch maybe? Surely even Boris Johnson could have worked that one out. Play football or don't play football. Stay inside but go out onto the pitch but only if you self-isolate or don't self-isolate. Oh, okay, maybe not. Can I go on the slide, though? I mean, can we have the next slide? Apparently, though, it's all okay, and neither players from Norwich City or Spurs need to take any further action, reportedly because the player wasn't close enough to anyone else for long enough to risk infection. Now, given that scientists believe that even less than six seconds spent within a metre of someone can potentially transmit coronavirus, I'd say that there aren't just public health concerns here at play, but I'd also be pretty concerned about the state of Norwich's coaching if that's how little contact their players have with the opposition over the course of a game. Tottenham, however, probably shouldn't be too worried about a devastating virus sweeping through the club and destroying everything. They should be well prepared for that kind of thing after having Mourinho there for a fair few months. It would seem that absolutely nothing can potentially derail the return of the Premier League now. And when it does come back, it's going to look and sound very different indeed. In a bid to avoid the empty, sterile stadiums that we've seen in the Bundesliga, Premier League bosses are planning to use modern technology to bring the game to life, with reactive sound effects being played into the game that have been ripped straight off the latest release of FIFA 2020. EA Sports. It's in the game. So, if in that first game, as Aston Villa face Sheffield United, Jack Wheelish whips a shot just over the bar, you'll hear exactly the same oohs and ahs that the crowd would make if you were playing the game on your PlayStation. It's a pretty innovative idea, and one that could only be made slightly better, in my opinion, if they introduced another FIFA feature into the game. For me, it would be just perfect. If when you were 3-0 down after 30 minutes, you can call the other team a bell end, turn off the TV, and just have the game voided. It would certainly improve my enjoyment of football. Aston Villa boss Dean Smith has also been talking about that game, the very first Premier League game back, and he says... The eyes of the world will be on us, and uh, you know we're looking forward to it. We'll work very hard. The eyes of the world? The eyes of the world? It's Villa versus Sheffield United, mate. You'd be lucky to get the eyes of a potato watching. Thanks very much for listening to today's show. Since we recorded the episode, 
There has obviously been a bit of a change in news and Marcus Rashford has proved himself to be an absolute legend and the legislation about free school meals over the summer holidays has been changed. It's been lifted, which is absolutely brilliant news. And credit to Marcus for not only sticking his neck out and making a change for good, but also for doing it at a time in his career when easily sponsors or supporters could take offence rather than doing it at the end of his career like a lot of footballers do. Credit to him for that and credit for doing his interview on the BBC wearing a pair of slippers as well. He's basically going, I'm changing the world and I'm not even putting shoes on first. So good boy, lad. Let's get him a knighthood or a sainthood or something like that anyway. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll have more football funny when there's actually football to talk about as well. In the meantime, leave us a review, click subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Bye. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson.